Today on the Reflex Blue Show, Donovan and I have a conversation with design writer and speaker Stefan Mumau about his role in Meet the Pros 2013 and the upcoming How Conference in San Francisco. Ben Luters, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Donovan. How about yourself? Not bad. Um, today we have with us Stefan Mumau, courtesy of the American Advertising Federation of Omaha. That is oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Meet the pros is going on this week. That's correct. Today, as a matter of fact. Does All that does that make you a pro? Uh, no, I, I'm going there to meet the pros. Oh, got yeah. it. Okay, you're just you're just coming in to visit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to be speaking, but they don't they haven't identified me as a pro. Okay, mm. and you spoke last year as well. I did. I did. I did a workshop last year. And and then so this year at Meet the now Meet the Pros for those who aren't around here is actually a pretty pretty good event. I went to it when I was a student. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, it's been around a while. It must I mean, have been if you were a student back then, yeah. 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 Showed up and it was, it was a long time. Do ago. other states do this event or is this a kind of a Nebraska thing? I think other states I assume have similar events. I don't know how the 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 ad ad club here got started on it mm-hmm. you know i mean i was just a student and it was already yeah. going well our, our ad club does uh career day which is a, a fairly common uh, occurrence in the different districts but uh, uh i this is the first event of this size that i had seen um mm-hmm. last year it's an it's an if you're a student it's an awesome event yeah they'll it's get incredible. like 200 kids mm-hmm. and they'll come from you know <laughs> I, I mean i came up from Kearney all the way to omaha that's a big track mm-hmm. and it's a two-day event so you got to stay overnight and everything you know when we come in it's only like two nights because you got to right. come in the night before yeah and you spend a full day and a half uh, seeing pros speak about mm-hmm. stuff, and then it's capped off with a portfolio review, which yeah. they bring in. They'll bring in like twenty or thirty, actually probably closer to thirty, forty uh, portfolio reviewers from around the city. And which somehow, is somehow, awesome. me and Ben are pros, so yeah. we are somehow listed as pros at the that, portfolio yeah. review. So, are you going to be, you know, with portfolio review, especially with kids? I, I struggle with the same thing every time. I want to see if you guys struggle with the same thing. You, you have two choices when you go in to look at a book. You can be you can be the nurturing pro. You know, I'm seeing a lot of good here. There's I think you've got a lot of potential with this. I would do this and this. It's the nurturing pro. And then you've got the dream the dream crasher where you're like, This this is terrible. I've never seen anything worse than this. I don't even know why. Have you looked at maybe a business school or perhaps something in the janitorial arts? I mean, is that the type of guy? Like, which which pro are you when you review pro. the... Definitely a nurturing pro. The nurturing pro? Yeah. Now, now, I would like to say I'm the nurturing pro and stuff, but I have been told by some people that I probably am not. He's a nurturing, um, you know, crusher, maybe. The, the, the nurturing crusher? <laughs> maybe a blend. <laughs> I, no, nobody's crying. Actually, last year at this event, I saw two of the best student books I've ever seen. Mm. I mean, it was, and that makes the event or not for a reviewer. Sure. And it's funny because you'll review what five to ten books or something during this time, and and you know you see those two, and you're like, where you're fearful for your own job because you're like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we've seen some good books. And so on that one, I actually company. told the, I actually told the one kid I said, it's like, don't take the first job offer because even in this market, you're gonna be fine. You, you need to go somewhere that's going to be good, that's See, a good fit for you. Even with that kid, I think I would I would mess with him a little bit. Wow. I, this, so how do you you've, got a, you've got a lot of work to do on this, son. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't look here in the Omaha area. I would perhaps go outside to another district, you know, just kind of push perhaps them away. Kansas, perhaps the Kansas City, Lawrence, No, Kansas no, I wouldn't, area. I wouldn't push him into that Council area either, you know. Yeah. Uh, actually, now, now, yeah, actually, I probably would push him into the Kansas City area. We need, uh, we need to bring in some talent, so. 
That's funny. You know, I've, I've watched Donovan review books a number of times now, and I, I would say you're more of a nurturing pro. But I also noticed Donovan, um, more than, like, taking apart individual pieces and, like, saying how bad they are, how it could be this, I see him him looking at the overall book more. Mm-hmm. And, like, you've got too many pieces here. Let's trim it down. Which are, which are the weakest ones? And, and, like, how to present a piece. So sure. instead of just printing out a PSD file or an Illustrator file and like yeah. slapping it in there. Like, mm-hmm. how can we can we photograph this in a physical form? Yeah, like, I mean, the know. things kids got to know at this point is the work's done. So at this point, it's how do you best present the work? Yeah. I mean, that's what your portfolio is. No, I, I do the exact same thing. I um, I have I have two processes that I go through when I look at any student book. And the first one is before I look at the book, before I even open it, is I'll ask them what it is they want to be when they grow up. You know, in our oh, industry, cool. there's there's a there's a lot of different places that you can go, and there's um, a lot of different passions that you can have. And so I want to ask them, if in your the ideal state, what would be the perfect environment for you? What type of agency do you think you want to work with? What type of work do you want to work on? You know, what mediums do you like? Do you like identity design? Do you like advertising? Do you like illustration? Just to find out a little bit before I even open the book of what it is that they, that they want to be. And then when you open that book and start looking through, you have a filter. And you yeah. can go, listen, the work's great, but it is, looks nothing like where you said you wanted to be. So if you want to get the job that you want, you have to have work in it that, that represents those passions. So that's the first thing I do. And then the second, and it's usually the part that most kids take for granted, is the physical book itself. Um, you, you know, you're right about presentation. It's very important. But it, it, what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll just buy a portfolio. They'll go down to the art store and just pick up a leather-bound portfolio and start putting things in it. And they've forgotten about the portfolio. The actual book itself is an opportunity for you to show the way that you think. Um, there's nothing worse than being in, a, in an environment that's got, you know, overhead lights and they've got, you know, cellophane sheets and they put their work in it and you can't see it because of all the glare off of the mm-hmm. lights. They don't think about the presentation, the theater of, of presenting. They just put their work in it. They're so focused on the piece of work that they sometimes forget that the, the book itself has merit and how you communicate that. One of the best books I ever saw was this girl who was uh, most of her work, the actual work, had a lot of hand-done processes in it you know where she would make something to put into the work hand-drawn typography that type of thing so she had a lot of real uh, arts and crafts backgrounds and a lot of handwork and then she just she made her book she stitched it together on her own so she she handmade the book and you're like see that's the perfect presentation for who you say you want to be and the type of work that you want to be I don't think kids go that level they're so focused on the actual pieces that go in it that they forget about the book itself no that's a great point um, so what is it you're actually speaking about? I am at- speaking, uh, I'm doing Creative Boot Camp. Creative Boot Camp is, uh, is a talk. It's based off my, my last book, Creative Boot Camp. Uh, and where can you buy said book? Well, I hear <laughs> that you can buy said book perhaps on any of the normal online booksellers, such as, oh, I don't know, Amazon or Barnes oh. & Noble. Or you could walk into What's a... What's the URL for Amazon? <laughs> and, this is, and this is by the New Writers publisher. It is, it is. Peach Pit, uh, Peach Pit took over New Writers, and uh, I wrote that for, uh, for New Writers. And, and so what is, now the workshop you've said you've already given five or six times. Yeah, uh, what, up to this point, yeah. What is the difference between this workshop and the Creative Mind, Caffeine for the Creative Mind workshop that I saw in person a few years ago? Oh, Caffeine for the Creative Mind is typically a, uh, um, it's a maintenance issue. It's creative maintenance. It's what can I do over the course of time to keep a creative energy. In, in Creative Boot Camp, I'm teaching you what creativity is. And then I'm giving you uh, what I call the Creative Boot Camp Field Guide. It's the three things that you need to remember 
um, as you go into ideation to generate ideas in greater quantity and quality. We're all we're all capable of generating more ideas and better ideas, but we we sometimes get bogged down by the process because we've forgotten what creativity is. So I teach you what creativity is, and it's um, it's not as uh, it's not as vague as you would think it is. And then I prove to you in the course of 60 minutes uh, tomorrow or today will be uh, here at the workshop will be 90 minutes. Um, I'm gonna in 90 minutes. I'm I'm gonna guarantee that you'll you'll generate ideas in greater quantity and quality, and I'll prove it with uh, a series of exercises that'll show you exactly how to do it. Gosh, we should go to this. No, no, no. We, <laughs> we do not. We do not believe in quality or quantity. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I was, yeah. Okay. Clearly, I mean, I am. I'm sitting here in the uh, 1119 offices, and I'm surrounded by quality and quantity, which is fantastic. <laughs> do not yes. let that leak. <laughs> yeah, okay. we will, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> so, and you're giving this again, actually, at night. So, it's, have you ever done like a double header? Oh yeah, back to back. Be? Yeah, double shot. Absolutely. Is this is this common? Do they? Do um, they have to do, like, not not this events? not this close, and it's usually not the exact same event. Um, oftentimes, when I'll go speak, I'll do I'll do like a, a luncheon, and then I'll do a talk at night. So, the luncheon will be a, a workshop type luncheon, and then I'll do a talk at night. So, um, I'm I'm fairly accustomed to giving multiple talks in the same environment. Uh, I've I've never done it back to back where. You know, it's the exact same talk back to back, and you're like, okay. You have like an hour off. Yeah, exactly. So uh, with this particular talk, I don't have um, I don't have a lot of like arts and crafts materials and paper and things that I kind of put out with previous workshops. So Did, is that because change. you got tired of um, trying to get on an airplane with two scissors? <laughs> with, all, with all of the scissors? Uh, no. It, in this particular talk, the examples that I give, um, uh, I wanted them to be a little bit more transportable that you could take back to your office and and be able to to give to the people around you and do with people around you and not that you can't with the arts and crafts it just prohibits you from doing so because you're you know you have this exercise that you were given and it has all this you know pipe cleaners and tape and everything else that comes with it that you don't usually have at your desk so i wanted to give them exercises that they could turn around and give to their coworkers and do oh no i love it okay we'll, we'll be right back and we're going to talk about uh, the how conference here So the How Conference is in San Francisco this June, mm. and you're you're not only you're giving a talk on the boot camp, is that right? That's that's correct. I'm doing creative boot camp. And, and is and that just a general session talk? That you it have? is a general session talk. That's right. And so it's not a workshop. So you actually have a, a talk about the boot camp. So you can prove that I can be more creative in quality and quantity in 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Yeah. Do you also have a seven-minute and a six-minute version? Yeah, and, and could we get that right now? And you, we, we could do it right now where you can <laughs> prove that you can generate ideas in greater quantity and quality with one step. No. Can we do, let's make a deal. Ben, can you prove this in five minutes? And then, will you outdo this in four? See, if you can, then you can write the next book because I, I did it in go. 30 days with the book. You could, if you could break that two down. Pages. Yeah, he doesn't even have a book. I mean, he's talking one page. <laughs> one flyer. image. One yeah. image, and you just, it just generates creativity <laughs> Actually, could you like? It's give us... probably that image of Indiana Jones with Chewbacca. <laughs> Have you seen this? Someone has photoshopped no. like you know, sepia tone Indiana Jones like movie still, and then it just photoshopped Chewbacca right behind Harrison Ford. <laughs> and it's it the only so image sense. I need. And it's a, it's a bizarre yeah. like combination of worlds where it's like when you're when you're out to dinner and someone from church or someone else yeah. enters your other like your work life and you're going, wait a minute, you're not. 
I compartment. I you're supposed to be over there, and you're supposed to be over or, there. You're not supposed to come together. Or when you're a kid and you run into a teacher at a grocery store. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. wait a minute, you're not in school. What's the deal? Yeah, you, you don't buy groceries. Yeah, why would you need groceries? You're a teacher. Weird Stuff combination like of worlds. Yeah, it's all I need. Just that photo. <laughs> Could you give like a small like snippet of like what your your talk is going to be tonight? Something that might generate some creativity just over the mic. Uh, yeah, you know. I think that the, the the first step when you start thinking about how to how to generate ideas in greater quantity and quality is to reassess what creativity actually is. And I'll talk a little bit about this tonight as well. We have this misconception that that creativity is this um, this force that we don't control that just kind of hits us here and there. It's not something that that uh, I can improve, but that's not the case. It, creativity is actually a a definable skill, and because it's a definable skill, you can actually improve at it if you practice it. So what do you practice with creativity? We, um, another misconception in our, in our uh, society is that, is that creativity is somehow uh, matched with artistry. That we, when we say we're creative or not creative, what we're really saying is that we can draw or paint or sculpt. Right. That it's, it's attached to art, and that's, that's not the case at all. Um, when a mother opens up her pantry and finds a way to make four meals out of the three ingredients that are in there, she's being just as creative as we ever are with a, with a paintbrush or with a pen because she's problem-solving, and that's all creativity really is. It's problem-solving with novelty and relevance. When, when you bond with that fact that creativity is simply a skill, that it's problem-solving with novelty and relevance, and then if I practice that and I do that over and over and over again, that I can actually improve at it that if you give yourself problems to solve and then you solve them with a level of relevance and novelty, you, you gain an ability that you didn't have before. You know, if you, uh, if you wanted to learn how to play guitar and you watched hours and hours and hours and hours of YouTube videos of people teaching you how to play guitar, the next time you picked up to play the guitar, you wouldn't know how to play it any more than you did before because you didn't practice anything. You exposed yourself to it, but you never practiced it. As a designer, we expose ourselves to creativity all the time. And some somewhere along the line, we've thought I mean, that that's I mean, enough. I don't watch all those YouTube videos for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, 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 look at, we look at amazing art, and we look yeah. at the way other people have solved problems, and we go, ah, okay, this, I'm, I'm absorbing this. I'm taking this in. Or listen to podcasts. Or listen to podcasts <laughs> and get inspired. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't, unless you're practicing it, you're not getting any better at it. Um, you're filling your well with, with possible solutions, but you're not solving yourself. So if you begin to solve problems on a regular basis and you, and you do so as novelty and relevance, you'll get better at it. It's where the exercises come in. In the book, I have 30 days of exercises. You do one every day. And then you... Um, Is one of them reach into your pantry, randomly grab three boxes, and that's dinner? It would absolutely qualify. Okay. <laughs> it would absolutely qualify. Because if that was... You wouldn't randomly grab three. You would get someone else to randomly grab three and give them to you and say, you have got 20 minutes to make something out of this. It's, I mean, go on the cook on the Food Network. It's every, it's every Food Network show. Open right. up the basket. What am I going to make out of this thing, right? And that's creativity. And that's creativity. What can I make out of, out of the things that I have? It's, it's um, the greater the restriction, the, the better the opportunity you have to actually be creative. So uh, in that, in a nutshell, the entire book is kind of based on that. But in the book, I take it a little bit farther because I, I start getting into the idea of, of measurement. And that's not something that we typically look in, in, from a creativity standpoint as being possible. How do you measure creativity? How do you measure if something 
is more creative than something else. How do you? I, it's a very good question. Um, it, is there like a ruler? Does it have a pica and then creativity? And it has a create. Yeah, if you measure how how wide something is, and it, it measures out in creativity. No, <laughs> um, there, creative measurement has been has been sort of eluded the uh, uh, the academic community for for centuries. It's 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 entirely subjective. Uh, but when you look at it as a skill, relevance relevance is fairly easy to identify, but hard to measure. So you know when when a solution solves something, to what degree it solves it, which is the novelty quotient, is the subjective nature of it. Because what's mm. creative to some people won't be creative to others. They may have had that experience, they may not have. So in the when the book um, we have, uh, it's thirty days of exercises. It's five weeks, and at the end of each week, you go online to creativebootcamp.net. And you solve a problem on paper, you put in your responses on the site, and it measures those responses against everyone else's responses. So I have a, I have a scale of, of uh, responses that are typical responses to those exercises. And then those are weighted by score. And then it measures your answers against those answers. And then it gives you a score, Creative Bootcamp score, by which you then can measure your weekly uh, your, your weekly improvement. So you'll do another exercise that's very similar to the ones that you've done so that you can keep track of actually if you're generating more ideas and if the quality of those ideas are getting better. If, if you're generating ideas that are, that are more popular, that are more, um, uh, more given through the, through the process, then you get a lower score. But if you're producing answers that are, are um, uh, a little bit farther down the scale as far as um, novelty is concerned, you get a higher score. And then we have to bell curve it because... Um, the computer doesn't know when you give, when you're given an exercise like medieval happy meal. You have to come up with um, as many happy meal toys as you can think of if happy meals were around during medieval times, and you have three minutes to do it. And chastity belt is of course just average. And and that, actually that would that's on the list. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a fairly decent score. So if you had answered chastity belt, you would get a fairly decent score. The ones that have the lower scores are things like sword, rock, you know, suit of armor. Um, but then you've got the, 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 the database doesn't know whether or not something like an iPod is relevant. It's not relevant. It's act, an iPod is actually not a very creative answer to that, to that problem to solve because it's not relevant at all. You couldn't have iPods during medieval times. So I have to bell curve responses that are completely off the reservation. So if you give a response that's completely off the reservation, I have to, I have to, I have to kind of taper that a little bit and uh, and give it a little bit of a lower score, even though you might be giving a response that might be very relevant but completely off the reservation. So um, it's a it's a very difficult thing to do to measure creativity. But in the context of this um, context of the book, as long as you're staying within the same grading system for the entirety of the of the process, you can you can judge whether or not you're improving over the course of time. Well, I like it. We're gonna have to go to this. Amazon.com and find ourselves one of these books. We'll have to. And then you're also at How. Yeah. You're giving, uh, I've I've looked this up because you didn't remember the title. I could not remember the title. You are giving a workshop. You are giving this workshop. I guess I am, yes. (laughs) It says Creative Fuel, a laboratory workshop for nitro charging your idea output. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, is nitro charging? Does that mean that this is going to be done in three minutes? <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, it's a three-hour workshop that's done in three minutes, and the rest of the time we spend talking about our feelings, oh, um, wow. having some some uh, some tea. You know, no, yeah, it's been an easy workshop, wouldn't it be? Uh, that that particular workshop is going to talk about the uh, the obstacles that get in our way creatively, and how we can uh, blow past them. Hence the nitro charging. 
Mm. Love it. Well, we're going to take a final break. We'll be right back with uh, Stefan Minow. All right, so the most important thing we need to discuss, you claim you've met Gary Busey. What did you say to this guy? <laughs> I did. I did meet uh, Gary Busey. I met him at a, uh, an album release party for uh, a rapper. We had done the packaging design um, for, uh, I, 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 I cannot remember the, uh, the rapper's name. It was probably 50 Cent. Let's just say 50 No, it was definitely it was, it was... not 50 Cent. <laughs> what was interesting about the guy was that he was, he was on um, TV show ER, and he was one of the nurses on ER. And uh, we were doing the packaging design. He was having an album release party. And the only reason why we went is because my wife, her favorite actor in the whole wide world is is George Clooney. And he happened to be on the show at the time that Which, this happened. this is a fairly common actor. But back then, that you know, he was still an up-and-comer. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and so we went to this album release party. It was in a, a hotel in L.A. And it was one of those bizarre things environments where you walk in and you just look around and you recognize a whole bunch of people but you don't know exactly where you recognize them from it's this coming together of weird worlds and so we looked over across the across the room and there was Gary Busey talking to Diane Cannon and Carmen who's a a, a, a Christian artist and you're like this is the most this is like bizarro world of these coming together as weird things and uh, uh, I, I told my wife that if George Clooney showed, I was going to get him on the phone to say hi to her. And so George Clooney doesn't show, but Noah Wiley did. Noah Wiley was on the show at the same time. And, oh, sure. Um, I, uh, and so I went up to, to Noah Wiley, and I was very honest with him. I said, I said no, I said, my, uh, my wife is a huge fan of George Clooney. But since he's not here, can I get you on the phone with her to say hi? <laughs> and he thought the approach so novel uh, that he uh, he agreed. And so I got up my phone and dialed it up, and I had no reception in this hotel. So Awkward my wife did silence. not talk to Noah Wiley. Or George Clooney. Or George Clooney, at that matter. What about Carmen? Did you get Carmen? I did not. I went up to I went up to that group with Gary Busey and Diane Cannon and uh, and Carmen. And I went up. I was as I'm walking up, I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say. And the only thing I can say to Diane Cannon is, "I love the Lakers too," because she's a huge Lakers fan. <laughs> That's all I can think of to say. There's Gary Busey standing there. I should have asked him about all those lines in Point Break that he totally screwed up. But that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Now, now, since we've actually last had you on the show, you mm -hmm. have transitioned um, from Let It Rain mm -hmm. to uh, Callahan Creek. That's correct. Creative yes. director. I am how, is, how is that going on? It's awesome. I I, um, I got very, very fortunate. Um, our executive creative director's name is Tug McTie. And Tug is um, Tug's fantastic. Spoke at How a couple of years ago. He's awesome. And uh, he is hit me Tug up. short for something? Like uh, it it is, but I'm going to I'm going to secretly keep that uh, because I don't know if Tug wants me giving out his actual names. Um, Whoa! I know it's uh, it's very mysterious. Name. Yeah, uh, Tug Tug and John January uh, are both ECDs in the Kansas City area. Tug's our ECD at Callahan Creek, and John January's ECD at SHS, and they run a, a podcast strangely enough, oh. called American Copywriter. And it's all about advertising. And they took a, a couple of year hi hiatus, and they're just back on the horse uh, at the Super Bowl. And they're fantastic. 
But uh, what's the name of the show? American Copywriter. And I'm sure it's on iTunes. Or it is. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. You'll get that out Great. as well. So um, Tug uh, Tug comes from a, a writing background, and he's incredibly bright. And I'm I'm fortunate enough that at the Addies last year, he hit me up and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I said, "Hey, I was thinking about making a change." And uh, and he um, wrangled me to come over to, to Callahan Creek, and it's a fantastic place. It's a you know we're probably 40 or 50 people. Uh, at Callahan Creek, it's a it's a relatively small shop in advertising circles, and uh, very creative, uh, very uh, family oriented. I, I always I always forget when you say small shop, I think of design studio. <laughs> design studio that's a gigantic shop. No, no, in advertising worlds, we're, we're actually a medium. I mean, we would yeah. be considered a medium sized shop, you know. Um, but how big is the design small. department? Uh, our our creative department has about fifteen people in it. Okay. Um, so it's not massive uh, out of those uh, 40, 50 people, but. Uh, Really, is it really just CallahanCreek.com? Uh, yes, you can go to CallahanCreek.com and, okay. and see what we're all about. Mm-hmm. So what kind of clients do you have? You said it's kind of a more family-friendly... Yeah, you know, our focus is specialty brand. And, uh, you know, the, those specialty brands are, you know, premium luxury niche type brands, brands that, that um, rely heavily on, on, a, um, uh, on an evangelist community. So people that, that um, you know, in every, in every market, you've got your mass brand, and then you've got that smaller brand that's a little bit more niche. It's a little bit more specific for who that audience is. And so uh, the history behind Callahan Creek is they, they, uh, they were Hills Pet Nutrition's agency for 25 years or so, 20 years. And they, um, they really got a, a lot of experience in, in pet food, in the pet category. And so when um, when they resigned that account a couple of years ago, they've picked up a couple of other pet accounts. So really, pet pet is probably their heaviest. We also have Sprint, we have Toyota, which don't feel like specialty brands, but what we do for them is very niche. Um, we've got some smaller brands like Spider, which does um, uh, like reticular saw blades, that type of stuff. Hardware. Oh. Okay. Uh, we do Free State Brewery, which is a, a microbrew in uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where we're at. Um, Royal Canin is one of our clients. Um, Children's Mercy was one of our clients, which is a hospital. So we have uh, a lot of kind of very niche specialty brands, and that's really our focus is uh, this sort of evangelist and, and advocate community. No, I love it. Well, we want to thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Oh, yeah. um, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks, I think. I think. Yeah, what's up next? We don't really do know plan? what's next. <laughs> We're not, do we ever really plan anything? Not, yeah, that's a really good point. What's What's next for you, uh, Mr. Mumau? Well, I've obviously I've got uh, Meet the Pros and mm-hmm. a few other speaking engagements and just prepping for uh, prepping for how in June. Figuring out this workshop, how to how to get the uh, three hour workshop done in three minutes. Now. Yeah, I, I think people appreciate that. Like they they've given themselves to three hours, and if I can say, listen, we're going to take three minutes, they'd be like, dude, that's rocks. That's fantastic. So maybe maybe I mean we're in San Francisco. Maybe I'll just go listen. Yeah, creativity is this and this and this. Let's go to Alcatraz. Now, have you been to Alcatraz before? <laughs> I have been to Alcatraz. I went there when I was I want to say when I was in junior high or something. It was, it was, it's a fun. Oh, oh Donovan, when when Stefan says that he's been to Alcatraz, I think it's different than the kind of being to Alcatraz. Oh, you've been. I'm a, I'm a yeah. little older. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it was a little older. It was there. technically just closed in a park when <laughs> yeah. I was there. No, no. When was it closed down? Like what year? Like is it? It's been vacant for a long time, right? Or, uh, I I don't know. I, I, try not, I, try not, I try not to think about it since the escape. <laughs> since yeah. the, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see you at Alcatraz. <laughs> now, now if you now if you want to go to Alcatraz, I will we'll warn our <laughs> listeners that it's worth going. But but you have to book ahead of time, so you might want to start booking that mm-hmm. one now. And and you also have to block off enough time because it's not like you just you know take the bus there. Yeah. There's kind of that whole uh, bay around it. That's true. And so there's kind of like you got a ferry there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think it's like a half a day event. 
and then tunnel mm. back under the Yeah, it's true. You have to you have and, to yeah. swim through the shark infested waters. <laughs> yeah. it, definitely if you do go to Alcatraz, do the do the audio tour. The stories that are told to the audio tour are much better oh. than just wandering around looking at jail cells. Yeah, they had that when I went there and it was it was they just put up you put on the headphones yeah. and it kinda of walks you through it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It, it was well done. Yeah. And Nicholas Cage was not there. I looked. <laughs> I bet you did. He, well he wasn't there then. No, he'd got, already gotten off, yeah. Yeah, he might be there again. Yeah. We'll see. We'll look. All right, well, next time next time when we're there, we'll also look for Gary Busey still around. See? We'll look for Nicol- Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, we'll see you in June. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Reflex Blue Show. For more information, visit 36point.com. The Reflex Blue Show was created by Donovan Beery and Nate Voss. Music by Ben Luters.